promotional consideration paid for by the following. You ready? My movie. What is it? I don't know what it's called. What is it called? Kevin Dillon. You son of a bitch. You're trying to tell me that I can dodge bullets? I'm Michael George. Stop it. Get some help. Tony Mota, the terrorists had the president's daughter in the old bean factory off the 101. Too bad you don't die. The spill is Billy, what's his name show? All right, welcome to the 27th episode of My Movies Better. I'm Kevin. I'm Dylan. And this week we are watching movies about martial arts in the King of Kung Fu uh, episode, tournament, <laughs> world tournament, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super. So this week. the Beach Boys. Yeah. <laughs> this week we watched. That will all make sense later. This week we watched uh, three films, Meals on Wheels, Once Upon a Time in China, and Surf Ninjas, which is the group pick. Um, Great great job, guys. Yeah, right off the bat, let me tell you, that movie did not win this week, but (laughs) we won't spoil it anymore. So to start things off, I'm going to go tell you a little bit about the weird movie of the week. Uh, this movie is called Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. In the near future, Harley Davidson, played by Mickey Rourke, travels ba- uh, travels from Texas to Burbank, California, to reconnect with his old friend Robert Marlboro Man Anderson, Don Johnson, Classic. at their old haunt, the Rock and Roll Bar and Grill, which was run by a man named Jack Daniels, played by the nefarious monster heel wrestler Big John Studd. Um, and if you think that there are a bunch more people in this film that are named after products, then you are wrong because there's only one more. <laughs> and it's Virginia Slim, played by uh, Chelsea Field, oh who was God. also in our movie from last week, Masters of the Universe. And she is a motorcycle cop. Yeah, so their, uh, their friggin' place was about to get closed by the imminent foreclosure of their friend uh, Big John Studd's bar. The two lifelong buddies will decide to rob a bank's armored car not knowing that its cargo is not money, but a new street drug called Crystal Dream. Yeah. Sounds pretty pretty (laughs) good. Uh, And it all culminates at a rodeo. Yeah, like the big final showdown is at a rodeo. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Harley. Marlboro. If you want to ride their road, you got to know the rules. Never play cowboy. School's out, boys. In a room full of Indians. It's better to be dead and cool than alive and uncool. Never go into a bar. I can't watch this. Unless you're willing to get smashed. You're doing pretty good after there. Never ride a Brahma bull. Strap on your seatbelt and get ready to fly. When you can take a bus. Does that look like the work of two bit hoods? Yeah. Pros would have used my keys. Never rob a bank. Get back what's mine and kill these men, okay? Run by bigger crooks than you. Hey, man, that's what friendship's all about. Never resist an arresting officer. Okay, cowboy, let's pull off some steam. We gotta talk to the man upstairs. Stand my tail. 
never start at the bottom when you want the man on top. Never dive from the 20th floor. We're gonna jump. I hate you for this, Harley. I hate you, Harley! Unless the pool is full. You guys are a piece of work. Shoot him! Mickey Rourke, Don Johnson, Harley Davidson, and the Marlboro Man. Obviously, you mentioned Big John Stud, which kind of bums me out that I didn't know about this movie when we were doing the WrestleMania. I know, right? Me too. It seems like it would be a really awesome movie to cover. Um, You said Mickey Rourke, Don Johnson's in it, uh, Dan Baldwin, and Tom Sizemore. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. I've seen it. Um, Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I'd give it like three out of five stars. (laughs) Wow, that's it's like it's like. well, okay, so Kevin Thomas from the L.A. Times called it a mindless co- cobbling from countless buddy movies. Oh, it really is, like, a bad movie, but the action scenes are pretty ridiculously good. And, like, there's there's more more money was put into it than, like, you would imagine. Oh, God, so, like, really? it's not as – it's not like <laughs> – yeah, it's not like a bad, bad movie where you're, like, laughing at how terrible it is the whole time. There's some, like, legitimately – uh, good action scenes. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's 1991 right. too. Mickey Rourke. So yeah, I would say uh, if you're if you that sounded interesting, you should go check out Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. But we're gonna roll on right now, and we're gonna roll on our wheels that are on meals. You seen Fatso? Not for a while. Hey, you ready? Who's that? Hey, long time no see. Hey, it's you. Have a drink with your wife again. No, cheers, buddy. More? No. No, I mustn't get drunk. Have you seen Fatso? No, I've just got here. <laughs> Amazing. I can't get drunk. Can't today. believe that's saying. You sound like a pair of cretins to me. And you're not? Yeah. At least I know how to solve your problem, though. Ah. Hey, not so. You seem pretty darn smart to me. Yeah, I'm intelligent. I'm here because I'm emotionally unstable. Come on, get the girl. Nothing to do with being stupid. They're two different things. That's pretty obvious. You mean you two don't know? You look pretty dumb to me. I've had enough of you. I'm moving to the next beach. I really can't get drunk. So when will you be able to deliver? Time is of the essence. I can't wait much longer. You ready? Uh, Wheels on Meals is a 1984 Hong Kong martial arts action comedy film. It is also known as Kwai Kan Che, uh, which quite literally means food truck. It has several other names as well. <laughs> the other names are Power Man, Weapon X, Million Dollar Heiress, and in Japan, Spartan X. Uh, yeah. It is 98 minutes long, and it was not rated for adult situations, language, and violence. The film was written by and directed by Sammo Hung, and it was also written by Edward Tang, who wrote Rumble in the Bronx and Drunken Master 2. And it was directed, like I said, by Sammo Hung. And his probably best-known for this film, Lucky Stars series, which is like a comedy, uh, kind of kung fu comedy series, and one of my favorite films, Dragons Forever, which also features Jackie Chan and uh, Yin Bao, who's from this film as well. And so it also stars, other than those three, which were known as the Three Musketeers and also the Three Friends or something like that. Like, they, these guys made several films together, Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, and Yin Bao. And, uh, yeah, they were, like, uh, they, they um, were known for, like, working together for, for a time in Hong Kong. 
It also stars Lola Forner, who was a, uh, I think you, you texted me about this. She was a uh, Miss um, Universe or Miss Europe. She, or... she, like, com- she like competed for Miss Miss World and Miss Universe. She like Something won like that, Miss yeah. Spain. Yeah. So, sure I think like, it was, yeah, Miss Spain. Miss oh, Spain yeah, is yeah. what she won, and then she competed at yeah. like the way bigger levels, too. Um, it also starred Richard Wu, who is uh, one of my favorite actors, also known as Richard Ng. Um, and he is, if you've seen the movie, he's the guy, the, the crazy guy in the, the institution who's like, I'm not, I'm not cra- here because I'm great. I'm stupid. I'm here because I'm like emotionally upset or something. Right, right, right. That guy, he's fantastic. He was also in a lot of, uh, other Samo Hung comedy movies. Okay. And the music is by, uh, Tang Su Lam, who did music for a ton of these era of, uh, Hong Kong Kung Fu movies. He did the music for the Police Story series and uh, Armor of God, which are both Jackie Chan. I thought the music was awesome, so I, I admittedly don't know a lot of Hong Kong movies, so mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that in mind when I watch right. more, because that movie, the music was dope. Yeah, it's very good. I love the music. It's it's Slice of Life, but that's kind of what this film is. Yeah, it's, it's like, just fun. It fits yeah, the mood really yeah. well. Well, shall we proceed? Your call. Uh, we only got one tagline for this one, and it is, Not since Don Quixote has Spain had so much fun. Yeah, because this movie takes place in Spain. <laughs> it's all over the place. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm uh, sure there's more taglines, but... That because it's an Asian film, that was the only one I could find. Right, right, that makes sense. And some of the and some of the other things I found that like would have qualified were just basically like running down the plot. So I was like, yeah, just right, they're right. not really the same thing. Um, it did pretty well in the box office. It did a uh, 23 million US in the box office. Um, we couldn't figure out exactly how much they spent to make the movie. It's somewhere around like 11 million was yeah. the average sort of number. Yeah, that was basically what I found online. So. Uh, as far as the critics in the U.S., they don't say anything. Uh, I only found four, I said U.S., but I only found four European or U.S. critics who had rated it. Um, and But from what I read online, it was a critical success in China, Korea, and Japan. Um, and uh, so we have some, some critics quotes here uh, contains some of the most brilliantly absurd dubbing that you're likely to hear that is a fact yeah robert adlan from backstreet mafia hey hey movie's been promoted <laughs> i really can't get drunk gotta go gotta find fatso uh still one of the technical most still one of the technically prof I think there was a most that it wasn't in here. But anyway, sorry. Let me try this again. Still one of the most technically proficient martial arts films ever made. It's just too bad there's not too much beyond it, uh, beyond the martial arts from Cinema Crazed. Ugh. Ugh. Like yeah, that. that's I what like I say, too. Take. I don't like that take. Me neither. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's not much of that these loser critics have to say about it. But uh, the audience score is really good. It was 80% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, user... Uh, Deadly V. Yeah, I just I, <laughs> I like. I almost this. said Deadly Five when Deadly I read five. that. Like, yeah, you're like, Roman, like, Roman numeral. numeral. <laughs> uh, user Deadly V. He said it is a culinary kick-ass romp, yep. which I don't disagree with. And then, uh, even though it's obviously more of an action comedy than a full-blown martial arts spectacular, uh, it's still pretty bad pacing with much longer stretches of situational comedy than I was expecting. This is a dig I heard against this movie that I kind of agree with. 
But uh, it's also a dig I hear about a lot of Sammo Hung's movies. He was definitely he definitely wanted to make people laugh in more, his films. More yeah. comedy focused. There's a lot of comedy. Oh in his yeah, movies. there's a ton. So, Hi. you seen Fatso? Not for a while. Has someone just died? No, why? Because you look as if you're going to a funeral. And, and there's it, some pretty lengthy. Uh, Fight, uh, fight scenes, for lack of a better way to put it. Totally, that totally. That sort of try and give it a balance, but yeah. you can tell that it seems like comedy first. Is yeah, I would, I would agree there. So for our time capsule, uh, this film came out on the 17th of August, 1984. Some other films that came out today are films I've never heard of. Dreamscape, <laughs> Tightrope, and Sheena. Yeah. Uh, but some films released around it that I have heard of and I'm a fan of are The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, my, a pod favorite, uh, Chud, which is one of my favorite fucking movies. It's been mentioned a couple times yeah. on this show. And that's when the Chuds came at me. Uh-huh. Of course you'll have a bad impression of New York if you only focus on the pimps and the Chuds. Red Dawn and The Brother from Another Planet, which is another one I fucking love that dumbass fucking movie. I don't it's think I've great. ever seen that. It's fantastic. All right. Um, yeah, we got some music too for this one. Uh, top songs around that time was uh, the Ghostbusters song uh, by Roy Parker Jr. Uh, it was just knocked off at the number one summer jam uh, in 1984. Princes when doves cry. Yep, that's yeah. the jam. That was the that was the the in 1984 that song dominated from the beginning to the end of the summer and then was kicked off the charts by Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's like, boom. It's like Princess yep. and Dubs Cry is just crushing it. And then that quirky 80s yep. song. Uh, and then in the UK, uh, Careless Whisper by George Michael, uh, R.I.P. Uh, but the song and band that dominated 1984 in the US and UK was Frankie Goes to Hollywood and their hits Relax and Two Tries. Yeah, all over the place on that list were those two songs. Crazy. So big, they, had, they were big that year. Uh, for video games, uh, iRobot, an arcade shooter you've never heard of, which was similar to Star Fox, came out, and it kind of was like the precursor to first-person shooters and and like 3D shooters. Oh, wow. Um, but also, in August of that year, Namco released Pac-Land, which laid the foundations for horizontally scrolling platform games, aka Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff like that. Thank you. So Nancy. yeah, so that was. We, this is actually this episode. We'll see later. Has a couple of other big gaming moments in it. Um, on for all these movies years. In the news, uh, resident president resident pre, <laughs> president Reagan assured he was a, also a resident. Yeah. President Reagan assured a group of Jewish leaders at the White House he was not going to bomb Russia in the next five minutes, and he didn't, so props, I guess. And also, John Z. DeLorean, a, yeah, that DeLorean from the movie Back to the Future, was acquitted by a federal jury in Los Angeles of all eight counts of indictment charging him with trafficking millions of dollars in cocaine. So, yeah. Good, good day. Yeah, not bad. So, uh, yeah, meals on wheels on meals, wheels on meals. The million dollar heiress, Spartan X. Yeah, so that was your pick. It was Kevin. my pick. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's probably my. It's definitely my favorite Jackie Chan movie. It is. It has everything. It's got romance. It's got comedy. It's got <laughs> amazing fight scenes. It's got some of the most badass 
like hurdy looking stunts I've ever seen in the oh, movie. Oh yeah. When Yin Bao jumps off a fucking second story and lands on his ass. I was like, they they that they can't be real, but I watched it back. I'm like, I don't see any cut. I don't see any like editing done here. Like, holy shit, did he right. just jump off a building and land on his ass? <laughs> like <laughs> straight on his tailbone. It's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of like Samo hung like flops too. Oh yeah. Like, oh oh God. yeah. <laughs> Well, and so I, I will also mention, so this film, well, one of the things that, that their like style was known for was the fact that, uh, and actually this is something I didn't know about Jackie Chan. I just learned he was action director or, or action cinematographer or something like that for like a choreo- lot of, choreographer. yeah, choreographer for a lot of his films. Oh. And, uh, he is really fucking good at it. If that's the case, because the way that the thing that I love about this film, I think the most is that like all every punch, every kick, you feel it in this movie. And like not to jump too far ahead, but that's one of the problems I have with how Once Upon a Time in China is shot compared to this movie. It doesn't have that. Yeah, in this film, like like one particular great moment is when he gets like flipped. It's like they're like fighting in like a little like outside like park area type thing and he gets like flipped over like a picnic table that like the way that those cuts come together it feels like you feel every single impact that happens in the movie right and that is how you shoot kung fu movies so samu hung i don't know like exactly how that got broken up who directed what when they say action director like does that mean he directed every action yeah, every sequence <laughs> yeah or is it just the martial arts fight sequences like did he do like explosions or the car stunt like anything else like that you know i'm not sure but uh i will say that that i think is the thing that really makes this movie like it it, if it didn't have that this movie would be forgettable um because it not only has great action sequences in general it has i think and what a lot of people i've heard online also agree with this the greatest single fight scene in a movie and that's the final fight of this movie between Benny the Jet and Jackie Chan. It is every like movie that came after it tried to recreate that right. and hasn't hasn't topped it. It's amazing. Honestly, if you don't even want to watch the movie, just look that up. Yeah, there, that's they, seen on YouTube. Yep. It's there. They have they've had two fight scenes. They had a the uh, fight scene uh, at the end of another movie I mentioned earlier, Dragons Forever, which is also really good and also really highly regarded by uh, people who like these movies. Um, but I really think this films is, is the best one. There's, they had a healthy, uh, rivalry in making the film that turned, that then became them being really good friends after that, but they still kind of were like rivals. And I think you can feel that in the fight and it makes it feel like a real fight and they weren't pulling punches in it either. There's some real kicks landing in that. Like they're hurt. They hurt each other. Oh yeah. that, another thing Jackie was known for was like hit me. I'm okay. Like go ahead. The reason why He's he stopped built like a cinder block. Oh, I know. But the reason why he really stopped making films is because of all the broken bones and stuff. Like really? he just yeah. yeah. Over the years, man. Like even if you watch uh, Rumble in the Bronx, uh, at the end of the film they have the J- now Jackie Chan standard uh, gag reel, you know, blooper reel at the end of it. And uh, in that film, like there's one where he jumped um, onto like the hovercraft and he breaks his fucking ankle. And like they actually that that cut is in the movie. You can see it if you watch the movie. You can see him land, and you're like, oh, his ankle is just bent in a way it's not supposed to, oh, <laughs> you God, know. Dude. And that, that so, so yeah, he had a he a lot of injuries in his in his career. Right. Um, 
and and eventually you know that just it got to be too much and i think also i mean i know we've talked about this a little bit on the group um he's obviously become a very rich man and he lives in china and he's like super nationalistic and a very much a communist party parrot um i still love him i still think he's great but he's kind of turned into like an old man who's like but the people need to be controlled by the government you know yeah so it's but it's like it's like when when i found it out i was kind of like yeah it makes sense with him (laughs) you know he's like he's like a, a big huge star and in order to be a, a big, huge star over there and have money, you kind of have to play by s- certain rules, I think. It's kind of the same thing in this country, so, you know, I can't really knock it. No, yeah, you can't get mad yeah. about it. Um, so, so, for uh, me, I like I said earlier, this this is obviously your pick. I'd never seen this before. Um, I'm not super... I don't want to say I'm not big in on, like, Hong Kong and martial arts movies. There's just so much that I don't know because right. there's so many movies. Um, this was a really nice launching pad because there was enough of what I already knew from these style movies with the, the long, long fight scenes, the very, very choreographed detailed fights that are so captivating to watch. They're just super entertaining. And there, a lot of, a lot of other movies do a lot of slow-mo and weird cuts. Like you mentioned, uh, once upon a time in China, so much slow-mo. Oh my God. I hate it. It really exhausts me. And there's, I don't think there's any of that in, uh, wheels on meals. So that was awesome. Every single fight scene was good. But there was a heavy enough comedy presence to... I was laughing out loud so much. Oh, yeah. Like, genuinely oh, yeah. out loud. And it, it was the, captivating in it's, both uh, those ways. You yeah, know? and it's it, it's the genesis, I feel like, for... Like, if Jackie didn't work with Samo, I don't think he would have gotten that particular, like, comedy training that really became his trademark. Right. You know, and like... Movies like Rush Hour maybe oh, wouldn't yeah. be as oh, yeah. funny if it wasn't for and, these kinds of movies. Right, because he knows how to deliver a joke. That's the really important thing. Like some of my favorite scenes are in this movie are the and and again like we just mentioned it with some critics people don't like it. I love the scenes with him and and Yen where they're like just being two like dopey young guys, yeah, like you know, they're just, yeah. Other, yeah. and they're basically like two dumb like virginal idiots, yeah. and and they're great, <laughs> they're great characters, and and like like you you texted to me that my fa- my favorite scene in the movie is when you texted me where Sam Hung keeps going, I can't get drunk tonight. Yeah, and he just keeps it's smoking glasses. Amazing, it's oh amazing. It's it's really it's like if you kind of put yourself in the right mindset when you start this movie, it's an amazing ride. If you're expecting if you go to this movie expecting rush hour not a police story or or something like that like a more serious jackie chan story then you're going to be way better served watching it because it is it is a fun funny movie you know right right it's about i mean like really as i said earlier the film was originally titled food truck it's about two guys who own a like robotic computer food truck that uh then get wrapped up in this whole thing with a private eye who's also looking who's Samo Hung who's looking for this heiress who's like from an estranged family and there's I, honestly I don't even know the plot I've seen this movie a hundred times I don't even care about the plot yeah. that's how great this movie she's is she's like about to or she doesn't even know it but she can inherit some money yeah yeah and he's like trying to kill her or kidnap yeah, her someone's or... trying to kidnap her so she can't claim it and they're trying to stop her potential kidnapping yeah. it's really bizarre. It's, it's bizarre but it doesn't matter it's yeah. fantastic they drive so, the food truck there's that one scene when the food truck comes off the horizon yeah ju- right does the jump the air. Yeah, it's so awesome. good so you may be asking yourself why is this movie called wheels on meals and that's there's a reason for that so the reason it's called not meals on wheels which you think is because of superstition 
So Golden Harvest, which is the production company that made this film, had produced two movies beginning with M in the past few years. It was Megaforce in 1982 and Menage a Trois, a.k.a. Better Late Than Never, in 1983, both of which were major flops. So they asked them to change the name of the movie so it didn't start with the letter M. So they changed it so from Meals on Wheels to Wheels on Meals, and which is fantastic. Worked. It seemingly worked if you said that. You it, found there were positive responses. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It I wasn't mean, a major flaw. they were basically like, that's not what matters, but okay. Yeah, I mean, if it made 23 and they spent 11, then it was successful. You know, if it made back its money, technically it's successful. If it makes $1 over 11 million, it's successful. Right. Um, and so all of our three uh, main stars of this movie, uh, Jackie Chan, uh, Bao, and Sammo, uh, they were all seen in Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon in 1973, which is pretty cool. Uh, Jackie played a guard who got beaten by Bruce in the underground hideout. Sammo was Bruce's opponent in the opening of the movie. And uh, Bao played a tournament fighter. Yep. And also, these guys were part of a uh, class at an opera school where they grew up. So these guys grew up together as well as little kids. Oh. And... Um, so opera school is in China is a kind of the best way to explain it is kind of like a, like a, a, a performing arts school that okay. you send your kids to so that one day they will become a art you know an artist an actor a singer something like that right. all the like Jackie Chan a lot of people don't know this Jackie Chan is a big time selling recording artist in China he sings. It's weird. I'll put some of it in right here, and oh you'll be like, God. what that is? Like, literally, if you listen to it and you know his voice, you're like, yes, that is Jackie Chan singing. <laughs> it's not bad, but it's imagine Jackie Chan speaking English and imagine that voice singing in Chinese. It's fantastic. Um, so but so weird. I found this great little thing. Apparently, uh, Jackie became obviously the most famous student from that class but there were some others who i don't know i didn't know who they were but they were famous in china you know as actors or singers or whatever right. these three were the most famous jackie is the most famous their teacher when interviewed about him they asked him was he your most talented student and the teacher said no but he was definitely the naughtiest one oh, yeah naughty. <laughs> he was a bad he was boy. a trickster he was a troublemaker <laughs> Um, oh, so, God. yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, this film uh, features Benny the Jet Arquetes, who was a kickboxer. He plays like the lead henchman for the bad guys. And as I said, has the greatest fight in movie history with Jackie. Um, as a kickboxer, he was pretty damn good. He had 49 wins, one loss, one draw, and two no contests. And he held a black belt in Kempo, Judo, Jiu Jitsu, Shokan Karate, Taekwondo, uh, Kujen Kenbo, and Kendo. A whole bunch of stuff. Wow. Yeah, and I watched a fight with him, and he is a killer. He was damn good in the fight. It was cool. That's insane. Yeah. He said it, 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 53 fights, man, and only losing one is insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Exactly. Pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, those are, like, all-star, all-timer all numbers. Exactly. You know? Yep, yep. And, uh, like I said, also, he was also in Dragons Forever, and... Basically, both of those fights are kind of considered, from what I read, to be like the best fights in movie history. And I would say definitely, especially right. when it comes to martial arts movies. Um, kind of reading what I said later, they just have this realism to them that yep. that it has never really been uh, doubled by anybody else. Right. So, um, so yeah, obviously my pick. I mean, my vote on this movie is a huge thumbs up. Yeah, I give it a massive thumbs up. Yep. I I really, really, really want to find like a copy of it with subtitles 
because yes. like the dubs they're hilarious they they make it they probably make some of the jokes way funnier oh yeah in some ways definitely um but like but i do want to i do want to hear like that's kind of but audio. that's kind of like what i'm saying like when you watch the scenes with him and Bayan, like it's like you can see the the chemistry if you just watch the acting right and you can imagine Jackie delivering and and Bao too delivering the lines like say Jackie is in in Rush Hour with Chris Tucker and I feel like there's a part of the like, he knows how to use his voice and that's a big part of the comedy so when you have like two people who are literally just like reading the lines like they don't know how to deliver comedic lines like it, it definitely takes away from him yeah, and, and I, there's not that interpersonal chemistry right. that's happening literally on the screen right right well, because even in, uh, I will say, even in Once Upon a Time in China, there were a couple of jokes that, like, a second after they landed, I laughed. Like, once I, like, like read it and, like, internalized the joke. So yeah, I think yeah, sometimes yeah. when it's lo- it's stuff that's lost in translation just gets lost in translation. Totally. You know? And because the same thing happens in this movie where there's scenes where I'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, right. they, like, <laughs> process the joke, like, way after they finished it. Yeah. So. All right, so uh, that was our thoughts in, uh, on that film. So now we'll uh, take a quick break and move on to Once Upon a Time in China. In an exotic land, in a time of revolution, one man's courage changed a nation forever. Columbia TriStar Home Video proudly invites you to return to one of the most celebrated action films of all time, Once Upon a Time in China. The first in a remarkable trilogy that thrust action star Jet Li into international superstardom. Starring as the legendary hero, Wang Fei Hong, Jet Li brings to life a man whose courage was surpassed only by his skills in the film that set the standard for martial arts excellence by which all others are compared once upon a time in china is a 1991 hong kong martial arts historical epic movie it clocks in at 134 minutes, and it was rated R. It is based on the life of Wong Fei Hung, the real-life martial artist. Uh, and he was the same character that Jackie Chan played in Drunken Master 1 and 2. Uh, and actually has about 100 films made or more made about him uh, since the silent and black-and-white movie era. It was written and directed by Sui Hark, who has written some of my favorite movies, including A Better Tomorrow, The Killer, and Jean-Claude Van Damme's Double Team. And he was also a longtime collaborator with the director John Woo, who directed A Better Tomorrow and The Killer. Film stars Jet Li, Yen Bao again. Our uh, boy. Yeah, exactly. Jackie Chung, uh, Rosamund Kwan, and Kent Chang as Porky Wing. My my favorite character, yeah. <laughs> him, it's gonna be him or, or Jackie Chung as Bucktooth Soul. They're they're both such great. Oh, role. and they're going at each other. Mm-hmm. Music by James Wong, who also did music for John Woo movies, Hard Boiled and The Killer. Uh, box office uh, numerically, 
translates to not that great in the US, I suppose, but it looks like it did pretty good. I mean, it's very critically acclaimed. In Hong Kong, it had uh, $29,672,278 total. Not to be too specific. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, however, uh, the, and so that translates to about like $3 million. Uh, Seven hundred eighty-two thousand one hundred fifty dollars U.S. To, you know, roughly, th- yeah, roughly. <laughs> That's roughly exact. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, the film was a box office hit and is largely credited uh, with starting the period martial arts craze of the early to mid '90s. It ran for almost two months, the longest duration of any of the series, yes. any of the Once Upon a Time in China. Yes, because there are six Once Upon a Time in China movies. Actually, Count technically, them. there's seven. Whoa. Does that count Once Upon a Time in China and America? No. Part of the series? Uh, You know, actually, that is. I think that's one of the six. Okay. There are seven films, however. One of them is not part of the series, but has Jet Li. After the third movie, Jet Li and the director were no longer buddies anymore, and they had a falling out. Yes. And for the rest of the movies, he was replaced by another actor. Uh, Jet Li then pulled a Sean Connery a la James Bond and starred in Once Upon a Hero in China, which is a terrible <laughs> movie, also oh about God. Wong Fei Hong. So technically there is a seventh movie in the series if you count that one, which is not really in the series, but kind of is. This film also won some awards. At the Hong Kong Film Awards, it won Best Director, Best editing, which I'm like, what? Because the editing in this movie is it's shit. Horrible. It's, it's so, so bad. bad. I wonder what the competition for it was. Yeah, I really. In 1991, there might have been a Jackie Chan movie up against it, which was surprising to but me. But if that one best editing, the editing of those movies must have been abysmal. Yeah, really. Really, really bad. Uh, also, best action cinematography and best score, which the score was okay. They kept playing that one song over and over again. Yeah. But uh, it was pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, and then they played that song that uh, it's like that um, that really traditional classical music song that every time I hear it, I only think of that tenacious D song. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You I'll know? put it in the background if yeah, I can find that's a great it. One. Um, um, the tagline we got here is "Never was a hero needed more." Never, never. I really, I don't know. I think there were some times the heroes needed more, but there is some. This is definitely for like the story attack. Yeah, yeah. They There's, definitely need. They a need hero. a hero. Yeah, definitely. China is going through some shit in this movie. <laughs> uh, the critics say eighty-eight percent fresh, a witty, extravagantly picaresque homage to Sergio Leone, Stephen Holden from the New York Times. Oh. Sui's camera lurches pinwheels and whirly gigs all over the place to catch every move perfectly. I would actually say Jeffrey Anderson from the San Francisco Examiner that his camera lurches pinwheels and whirly gigs so much that it's bad. But hey, yeah, that's just me. Motion sickness. <laughs> um, the editing here is far from good, uh, and the continuity is constantly thrown off from one shot to the next. We're talking about different positions of objects, object size changes, characters disappearing and reappearing, says Greg Muskowitz of eFilmCritic.com. Yeah. I wildly agree with yes, this guy. I put those two together for their juxtaposition on purpose because it's like they're saying the same thing but came to wildly different conclusions. Yeah, Greg is stoked. I yeah. mean, Greg's not stoked and Jeff is stoked. Right. So uh, a quote from me is, I like this movie, but why does Wong Fei-Hung want to fuck his aunt? And why does uh, his aunt want to fuck him so Yeah. Bad? It seems like a very mutual thing. It's that, a very strange like, thing. So, okay, here's like, the thing. I'm your aunt, but, like, it's not yeah. real. I'm going to call it the 13th aunt question because I asked myself, what's the deal with that? 
So what I found uh, from the Wikipedia page, this is what it said. Their romance is forbidden since they are, and this is really important, considered relatives. Considered relatives. Due to Sui Quan's father being a blood relative or blood brother of Wong's, I'm not a blood relative, a blood brother of Wong's grandfather. So I clicked on blood brother, and the definition of that is a male related by birth or two or more men not related by birth who have sworn loyalty to each other. So they're just they're just real good buds. I can't tell. Yeah, maybe they, I, I really can't tell. Because it's still, the, the me and Olivia were talking about it, and this is kind of what I came up with as kind of a good answer to this, is that, so part of the, one of the big themes in this movie is the acceptance of modern modernity or modernity however you say that word the modern Mo- times modernization yeah. but at the same time holding true to chinese tradition yeah like when he won't get a suit because right but at the end of the movie he's classic. got a suit and he takes his picture yeah. so i think that kind of has a part of it part of that is the fact that according to the chinese tradition they're considered relatives but they're not they're not related in any way. Right. They're not blood related. So I don't think it's an incest thing. I think it is actually, and the whole idea is that, okay, he's coming to terms with the fact that, like, it'd be fine if he loves her, marry her. They don't actually get married until the sixth film. Really? Yeah. That's wow. when he actually gives her a ring. Oh, my God. So, I but they're like, five more <laughs> I, I know, right? Just to see this just love, to see story, the love story culminated. Oh my God. Yes. So. That is, for the best of my knowledge, that is, answers the question of the deal. What's the deal with his 13th aunt? Yeah. Aunt 13. Um, when you watch this movie, if you watch this movie, you should. Um, yeah, you should. Take note of the scene. It's early in the movie when him and his aunt are in the room and she's sizing him up for the suit. And she keeps doing the weird silhouette, like pretending to touch him. Right, it's, right. It's so weird, but that's like that first sign of that forbidden love weirdness for lack of a better way to put it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't exactly. Know, it's strange. <laughs> and you can tell they she even mentioned it. Well, he's like, uh, uh, I don't know. And she's like, well, like, I'm kind of your aunt, but not yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's def and and that's all. That's also the scene where she where she like trying to also explain to him, uh, you know that like the modern world is coming. Yeah, and they have to there's gonna it. be like telephones, and- right? China, and that China is going to lead the way. Like, yeah. that's another big part of it. And I think that's also why I consider this film really, like, a Western in style, is that it, it it's in the... Because another dig I actually read, too, is that the film couldn't, couldn't pick whether it was the 1850s, 60s, or 90s when it took place, based mainly on the, the way the uh, Europeans and Americans were dressed and the guns and stuff like that. But for the most part, I would say it was sometime around the Civil War in America, so the 1860s or 70s or perhaps 50s. So it fits right in the like the golden age of western era because uh you know and and it feels a lot like a western in China like Australia and some other places in the world has the terrain and stuff to kind of feel like a western as well there're deserts there's plains there's stuff like that so I feel like this film also with the title being Once Upon a Time in some place, it's also a shout out to Sergio Leone's Westerns, Once Upon a Time in the West and Once Upon a Time in America, which is, I guess is a gangster film, but there's a surprising amount of movies with Once Upon yeah. a Time in Blank. Including the not yet released Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by yeah. Quentin Tarantino. I was which, trying to find yeah. stuff on YouTube of people covering this movie and talking about this movie or just any weird little things I could find and the search filters were dominated yeah, by, by that, that movie. Yeah. Totally bombarding it. 
Um, I think I mentioned it a minute ago when we were talking about the box office, but it it did get a really good rating overall in general. Uh, the audience score for this was also really good. It's at eighty eight percent. Some people were saying like this one guy in particular. Uh, occasionally way too cheesy. Then again, the dubbed version I watched was once again not great. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice sentence, yeah, dude. dude. <laughs> I'm gonna rip apart this guy's sentence. He's got a freaking semicolon after the first part of the sentence, which is not correct. And then he's got two commas. Yeah, once which, again, doesn't need to be within yeah. commas. That's one of those people who thinks they can write but can't. This guy was just really <laughs> bored. <All> right. And <laughs> was like, oh, I, yeah, dude. yeah. Ugh. The confu- And so I got another one here from the audience. The confusion caused by some careless editing and a story that is sometimes too hard to follow is made up by the tasteful visual grandeur of the film and Jet Li's convincing talent. That I would was, agree with that, yeah. too. I think that extent. is a really good way to sum up the film from that audience reviewer uh, because it really is it really is really bad when it comes to the editing. And we both were talking about off the air. Like, it is totally hard to follow sometimes. It's so hard to follow. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's fun. Like like one of my favorite things about this movie is the scene where uh, Jelly is telling everybody not to fight, and he's like stopping them from fighting while fighting. Yeah, it has a lot of great little scenes like that that are just they're they're goofy and silly. They don't quite hit the Jackie Chan level of comedy, but they're it, it's definitely it was definitely a movie that that kept me like interested and laughing and enjoying the movie the whole time. I will say that. Right, I agree. So this movie came out on August 15th, 1991. Uh, it was a Thursday, so there were no movies that came out Womp. other than this in the United States. And I couldn't really find anything else. So some movies released around this time, however, were Jean-Claude Van Damme's Double Impact, Child's Play 3. A, th- a podcast Yeah, favorite. right, another one. <laughs> Child's Play 3, uh, Dead Again, and of course, the weird movie of the week we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Uh, so the top songs around this time uh, in the United States, it was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Um, oh, Jesus. And yeah. in the UK, the top song was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian yeah. Adams. This guy absolutely crushed the charts with yeah, this song. Yeah. You were saying that you looked it up in other places other than the US and UK, like Canada yep, and all these. Yep. It was just smoking. It was at number one in the U.S. from late July to early September. Why? Yeah, what is Why? wrong with you people? <laughs> it's not, not a good no. song. No, it isn't. It's in Brian Adams in general sucks. So the less said about him, the better. I might disagree with that a little bit. I think kind of. Like, yeah, sucks. kind of. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll take kind of sucks. It's kind of like mom music. It, it's a <laughs> it's, million yeah. percent mom music, or like walking around the grocery right. store music. Right. So, uh, in terms of video games, uh, this was the year that Commander Keen, Keen Dreams, was released by IDO, um, which was kind of like a uh, a precursor to a lot of famous games. And IDO is the same guys who made the Doom and Hexen and games like that. Um, but more importantly, on August twenty third. Nintendo released Super Mario World and F-Zero along with the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, or SNES, in North America. Super Mario World was the original packing game for the SNES, and the game introduced Yoshi as a character to the Mario series. So, so 
August 23rd is a huge day yeah. in video games. Yeah, big day, big day. It was for especially for America. It was the first time we got to play the Super Nintendo, so that was pretty sick. Um, so yeah, this movie is about Wang Fei Hung, who, as I said, is a real guy. He is a Chinese martial artist, physician, and folk hero. Uh, he was he basically created or or predominated the style of Hong Ga uh, karate or kung fu. And he um, is known for the tiger crane paired form fist, which is a very famous tiger crane fist is a very famous style of Kung Fu and the shadowless kick or no shadow kick, which we see a little bit in this movie. And in fact, that is the only move that Wong Fei Hung calls out, which was something he was known for. If you ever seen Drunken Master, uh, Jackie Chan does that a lot in Drunken Master. He calls, yeah, like crazy moves that he's coming up with. Yeah. Um, that was apparently something Wong Fei Hung did in real life. He called out moves, and the so sha- weird. yeah, the shadowless kick is pretty cool. It's uh, sort of like a a kick that um, it's like a a low target kick that is done at close range and that is really really fast. So shadowless basically meaning that you don't see it coming. Yeah, it's yeah. Just- um, and it's usually constructed from hand strike or grapple range. So uh, Wang Fei Hung taught Kung Fu to the Navy in Canton, like we see in this movie, the Black Flag Army or whatever they were called. Yeah, yeah. weird militia. Um, and he was a right-hand man to General Tan Jin, who is in this movie as well. He was a resistance fighter for the Qin Dynasty. He, and after the founding of the Chinese Republic in 1912, he became a head instructor of martial arts to the Special Forces Elite Military Unit. Um, and that's not even mentioning his acupuncture skills and his influence on Chinese medicine. And like I think I said before, he has been the subject of about a hundred films. Um, and but what's funny about them, and particularly in this movie, uh, he's known for, as I said, Hungar Kung Fu. However, in this film, Jet Li does mostly Tai Chi and long fist technique. Oh. He doesn't do almost any Hungar. Oh god! And that was also something that was known for a lot of these films. Most of the films didn't actually do the actual kung fu that he did which is just an interesting little thing i guess a little nitpicky but oh, you wish there was yeah continuity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but i as far as uh our thoughts go you this was your pick so. yeah this is my pick um again this is uh this is a genre that's relatively like toes in the water for me uh i went on a little jet lee kick a few years ago don't quite know why this is <laughs> one of the movies i'd watched and although it was really hard to follow it th- i thought it does have a really good story um, you mentioned off air, and I think you might have even said it on, but it's got like a really Western yeah. feel to it. So I feel like the accessibility for this movie is really high. Um, there's a ton of, ton of, ton of action in it. Yep. That's just what I want. One of the things I love about movies like this is that they're like, a lot of them are movies you can just throw on in the background. They're filled with tropes. Like, so they're really easy to just jump into any point and like their enjoyment level isn't based on knowing the story. Right. Um, and I think it's that, that's something you could say about like a lot of Westerns or a lot of Robin Hood style movies that have like folk heroes. Like you kind of already know the story, so you can just jump in. Um, so this is a good movie to like have on in the background at like a party or something like that. You know, like it's it because it's like 80 percent 
fight scenes. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Kung fu scenes. And those, you know? I would say, a hundred percent of those fight scenes are the best parts of the movie. While like, yeah, a the million com- percent. I think some of the comedy in this film lands better than on Wheels and Meals. Um, like for instance, one of my favorite early jokes is when the like priests are walking through the town and the Chinese musicians see them and they're like, hey, and they start playing louder and yeah, faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're like really playing weird. They're playing harder to like drown them out. There's some great little jokes like that, and they they really they work really well. Yeah, and uh, a lot of one-liners. Oh yeah, tons of one-liners. Um, but like, there's some moments that there's a lot of moments of like missed opportunities. Like, uh, one of my favorite fight scenes is when, um, Yin Bao, Quang Foon, whatever you want to call him in this movie, he's uh running away from from the gang members, and he's like they're like fighting in like the shops, you know, and Porky Wings there and he's using the signs to block uh, his sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I actually said it when me and Olivia were watching it. I was like, you know, Jackie Chan would have done way better with that. He would have done more with that stuff, you know. Right, right, right. Um and I just feel like that's that's the 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 thing that this movie's really missing. I love Jet Li, but not even he's like like a 100 feet below how much I love Jackie Chan. <laughs> it, I've never been as into his movies. And I've never seen nearly as many. So, like, I, while I think this is one of my definitely one of the better ones that I've seen by him, I think it really lacks when it comes to the genre. And I'm I was surprised to find out how influential it was, though. In watching it, I can see why. And I think that what it, kind of the the what I came to is that like this movie didn't do a bunch of stuff good. But it did a bunch of stuff that other films stole from it and did better later. Yeah, exactly. And it was like it was a foundation piece. Yes, exactly. So like if you kind of take a step back and give it give it that sort of like uh, pass for it being an older film in and not having the expertise that films that would come out in the next 10 years, 20 years would have, then I think it's a really good film. So I enjoyed it a lot, and I will definitely, I definitely want to watch the rest of the series now. Like, yeah, I want to see it. Might it, take a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> at least, at least the first three, like the original trilogy. And oh, and and now you goes. said I gotta get to six to see this love story. <laughs> I know, I know. Pinnacle, man. <laughs> I know. I gotta Fuck. see him get married. <laughs> Though I, it's definitely not Jet Li, and I don't think it's Rosamund Kwan. I think it's actually two different actors by that. Oh, time. so then I'm so, out. Yeah, I'll right. Just, I'm just going Who cares? Jet Li's yeah. Um, no, yeah. I'll, I'll eventually watch them all. Yeah, it's 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 really good. It's really accessible. There's a lot of things that I think are a bit overdone. Mm-hmm. There, a lot, like we mentioned before, a lot of the editing is really really exhausting. Yeah, and yeah. it's eighty percent fight scenes, and I'd say probably like twenty five percent of those fight scenes right. are slow mode and yeah, like and weirdly cut. it has too many. It, not to dwell on it, but it has too many of the like multiple man fight scenes. And but like it's not shot as well as like Crouching Tiger or something like that. Right, right. So like the movie gets really good, especially like if you want to check out the best part of this movie, like you want to see a really good fight scene and you don't really care about watching the rest of the movie, check out the final. I, I will call it the ladder match. Oh my god, <laughs> Money yeah, in the was, Bank. It's, bo- it's borderline a TLC match. Yeah, it's they, that's what she no said chairs. too. I didn't that's see what, a chair. There was a table. There was. There, know, was, yeah, a there, table. there was a table. The there table. Were tons of ladders. The table did not break. So I am the table, Um, but yeah, that whole basically either because there's a couple. I think there's two or three fights between Jet Li and and the guy who plays Master Yim. Yeah, um, who's like one of I guess he's like the main sort of bad guy in place of like the Americans and British. They're sort of the main bad guys, but he's like the main guy he fights. Yeah, their fight scenes 
are fantastic. I'd They're even, so good. I'd even go out on a whim and say that that ladder match by Teen is a must-see. Yeah, I, I would too. I would too. I still don't crazy. think it's as good as the one in the end fight of Meals on Wheels. I agree, but but some of the like the choreography with the ladders flying around, it's great, yeah, and and it's when it's when the hard hitting style I was talking about in Wheels on Meals kind of comes into this film. You know, like it feels like a real fight. That other dude feels so legit, and I think it's kind of another drawback of this film is that Wong Fei Hung. Does like a curb stomp beat down on literally everybody he fights except for that guy. Right. That's the only guy who even comes close to challenging him in this film, and he's not even close. So, like, the fact that th- I think that's what lifts this up even more is like so many of his fight scenes are just him dominating people, yeah, like you know? 40 people in yeah. a row. And it's like, I don't I don't really like that as much as what Jackie does. Jackie gets beat up, and yeah, that's what's so his cool ass about it. Yeah. Too, you know? Yeah. And it, it makes it it makes it raises the stakes. You don't yeah. just feel like, well, this is Superman just flying in. Right. No matter who know? comes up to him, he's right. going to kick their right. ass. All right. So uh, that was Once Upon a Time in China. And we're going to take one more quick break and come back for Moto Surf and Surf Ninjas. Psych. Guys. When I get up every morning and go to the Hamburg stand, you know what keeps me going? That's why we skateboard. I love you too. Ah, oh, say, God, do you want to drive me crazy? No, Dad. We just want to drive. But the man lives. Can I make you guys understand you cannot live your life surfing? You need something to fall back on. That's why we skateboard. But the man lives. By the time I had found them, I knew the others were close behind. And soon, the boy's destinies would be changed forever. We have a cat? Seriously, if you don't want chives, I won't put them in. Well, I want chives, bro. You got it. Iggy, you're here every morning, you're here every night. Don't your parents ever ask where you've been? Mr. McQuinn, my parents are sealed in the biosphere in Arizona. Moto surf! Moto surf! Moto surf! Moto surf! Moto surf! New Line Cinema presents... Get on with it. New movie, Surf Ninjas. It's the story of these kids who get booted from their country by this evil dude. That was that. Now they're growing up in L.A. But And their life's one major vacation. He's got a waxy old man to wave, friction reducing the surfboard. Surf Ninjas. My sigh was real about this movie. <laughs> I gotta let you know that. Surf Ninjas is a 1993 American family comedy movie. It clocks in at 87 minutes and is rated PG and was based on surfing ninjas and Sega Game Gear. <laughs> it, this movie wants you to buy a Sega Game Gear so, so bad. bad. Yeah. So bad. The movie was written by Dan Gordon, who also wrote Passenger 57, The Hurricane, the uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter film with Denzel Washington, and was a head writer for the Highlander TV series. 
which makes a lot of sense. The movie was, uh, and as much as the movie being directed by Neil Israel makes sense, who also directed Police Academy 1 and Real Geniuses. Uh, the film stars Ernie Reyes Jr., Rob Schneider, Tone Loke, Leslie Nielsen, and John Carlin. And the music was done by David Kittay, who did, and this is my favorite part, listen to the, these movies that this guy did music for. Nuns on the Run, which was the Eric Idle fucking movie about two criminals who disguise themselves as nuns. Oh my God, it's fantastic. All right, we're covering Holy it one shit. day. We're covering it one day. It's great. <laughs> I was going to say, how is that um, not the weird it's, movie it's of the literal, week? <laughs> it's literally uh, Eric Idle from Monty Python and um, uh, the dude who played Hagrid. Oh no yeah, way! Yeah. What Rob? Whatever that guy. That guy. Yeah, it's fantastic, Holy dude. Shit. Uh, Bor- he also did music for Boris and Natasha the movie, Night at the Roxbury, Dude, Where's My Car, and Clueless. That's got a fucking serious track. Yeah, record. right. Um, not really sure how much was spent on this movie. No, I'm gonna assume not a lot. Mm. Uh, maybe. A- couple million few honestly million. i think about as much as it made yeah at most, it made yeah. uh 4.9 million yeah. at the box office uh it had a single tagline it was surfs up time to save the world moto surf that's guys. like so much of this movie you're gonna get yeah. is that sort of attitude like yeah. what's going on yeah we're time to surf we're, we're a bunch of dumb surfer kids who don't want to go to school <laughs> Yeah, Ernie Reyes Jr. like pissed me off so many times in this movie. It's not so fucking annoying. Not as much as the little brother. Like little brother is way more annoying. But like there's that one scene where like he's like, you see, that's all you gotta do with teachers. You just gotta charm them. You just like I was like, shut the fuck and up, they dude. Forced, they forced so much fucking oh, surfer totally. lingo on him throughout it's the whole so movie. Forced. Where he's randomly turned around, he's like, like you guys totally shredded yeah. it, bro. My favorite is how he keeps saying, "We got hammered. Let's get." <laughs> hammered and you're like it totally means something different now yeah the critics agree with us in our disdain for this movie uh, it isn't 11 percent rotten it is one of the worst reviewed movies we have ever covered things wow, so yeah, th- thumbs up. thanks guys um however i will say it has quite the nostalgic grasp on people and the audience rating is actually 68%. So it also makes it one of the few movies that you see like that in Rotten Tomatoes where the critics hate it but the audience is actually pretty positive. I want it to be on the record that a few episodes ago I mentioned that I'll only let nostalgic grasps go so far. Mm. And I had already said before that I was like this kind of stretch is like with the um, Power Rangers movie. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, like you can have your nostalgia, but this is a bit much because this movie sucks. The Power Rangers movie is arguably better than this movie. It is. Yeah. So that's why I think <laughs> that this audience score being so high for nostalgic rap is complete bullshit. Right. This movie is so bad, man. I also would like to add that that is 18 critics' reviews versus 14 thousand audience reviews insane so fourteen thousand yes. so people that, went out of their I way gotta say that is another like thumbs up that's for the movie. crazy is that fourteen thousand people plus actually that's oh like God. the i went you know i rounded down there they that's Maniacs. how many people yeah that's so um, and so one of the, the we have a quote here from a critic, another of Hollywood's efforts to prove that the American mall mentality is at home in any corner of the globe from Janet Maslin of The New York Times. All right. And uh, 
It's a real riot when a guy goes tumbling and thudding down a 300-step flight of stone stairs only to climb back up and do it again. What inspired comedy, says our resident asshole, James uh, Bernadelli. Yes, he hates everything. He hates everything. Uh, this this one I really liked. It was, no, 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 <laughs> from Kevin Ranson of MovieCrypt.com. And I, I said that really loud. Sorry for your eardrums. But it's literally because it's regular no, regular no, regular no, regular no, all caps no. It's, there's clearly a crescendo yes. in yeah. the nose. Yeah. Um, the audience review is this action comedy family film mix of several different genres loses focus. A movie so bad, so stupid, so silly and outrageous that it makes you fall out of your chair laughing. Ninja nonsense. Yeah. There I will say there were some moments where I did like like laugh out loud a little bit. Yeah, it for, happened. For reasons the movie didn't want me to, you know right, what I mean? Right, But, I, I mean, I, I put that review in because I think that's kind of like, I think that's, the be- again, the best way it boils down the whole movie. It is very bad, it is very stupid, and it is very outrageous. Yeah. Um, As we mentioned, this movie was not just, doesn't just feature a Sega Game Gear. Sega Game Gear is like, highlighted in this movie big time it's like a pivotal plot yeah point. <laughs> it was sega like made sure of it. sega endorsed this movie you know sega paid them for that there's a re- so there's a reason there's also as we will get to very shortly in our game corner there is a sega game gear and an amiga cd video game two different games that are both vastly different uh at least the sega game gear game looks sort of similar to the game that you see in the movie and is a game that is actually Surf Ninjas. And like I said, we'll get to that in Game Quarter. So. $5 for anyone who speed runs that game. Yeah. On the table. Uh, <laughs> Real deal. Yeah, I'll throw down 5 too All for right, that. $10 Yeah, 10 bucks, man, if you can that. speed run that game. So this movie was released on August 20th, 1993, which culminates the fact that I'm pretty sure all three of these films were released in August. This is yeah. the first time we've had that wow. happen. Yeah. All summer movies. Uh, so on this day, we had another thing that we've now hit three things. John Claude Van Damme has featured somewhere in all three and, of these oh my movies. God. Yes, Hard Target came out the same day by with John Claude Van Damme, as well as a movie that I have seen, which is ridiculous. Uh, sort of like throwback to old Western, like Civil War, white guys versus Indians movies, The Battle of Little Joe. Uh, other movies that came out around this time, Needful Things, uh, and the most popular movie from this uh, month, The Fugitive, as well as the VHS release of a movie that came so close to being the weird movie of the me- week, a TV movie, Psycho 4, The Beginning, starring Anthony Perkins as the psycho, Elliot from E.T., Henry Thomas, <laughs> Olivia Hussey, and CCH Pounder. But it just wasn't as weird as Harley Davidson and the Marlboro yeah, Man. Yeah, that was banana yeah. land sounding. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. Um, for music in our little time capsule here, uh, in the United States, the top song was Can't Help Falling in Love from the movie Silver uh, by UB40. Sliver. Sliver. Yeah, but close. <laughs> it was by, bound yeah. to happen. I was Not, so good. Yes, by the, the practitioners of Red Red Wine. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, Napster. Red Red Wine by Bob Marley. Yeah. MP3. Did you know that? Did you know who wrote that song? No. He also wrote the Seventh Inning Stretch Red Sox song. Oh, 
fuck. Yeah, man. Neil Diamond you wrote. You gotta be kidding me. Neil Diamond wrote Red Red Wine. Yeah. Oh my God. Fuck yeah. sweet Caroline. But that doesn't matter because guess what happened in the UK? In the UK, it was informal. Yeah, exactly. I smell my boy. It was topped on the charts for pretty much March and April. And it was it definitely reached the top ten in the US as well. Informer was big. Uh, actually, it's that music funny. video is must-watch. Yeah. for some reason, oh, I've yeah. never seen that. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's like every music video from that era where they do those like where like it's just a person in a room and like a camera like at weird angles zooms in on them, you know, yeah, from dude, far the away. Outfits are like yep. things that I to this day I'll go on eBay. Oh like, hell yeah, can I find hell one yeah. Of these exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So in video games, Daytona USA was released right around this time which became one of the world's most impactful racing games of all time and, according to a quote, won't go away from a review of the time. Um, that is also the same. It was also Cruisin' USA was part of that series and some others there. Those arcade driving games with the steering wheels. Oh, those and, are the best. Oh, I love them. Double dude. tap the yep. gas, do a pop a yep. wheelie. Exactly. Yeah, that's my thing. We had a special birthday this week, too, I think. Oh, we did? Well, on this Oh yeah! Day. Oh yeah! Well, that's coming in one sec because we, oh, we also had we had one more shit. game. This month was the release date of one of my favorite games of all time in the United States. Uh, the Secret of Mana was released for the new Super Nintendo in the United States this that this week? month. Oh, that month. Okay, this month, okay. yeah, in 19, August of 1993. However, big personal shout out. There. However, <laughs> on this day, Fred Durst. From the band Limp Bizkit, turned 23. We're so proud. Yeah, <laughs> I was very happy about that. Dead man walking. So yeah. Oh my God, Surf Ninjas, the Babaram of Meekrob, Meekrob. Is a fucking dish. It's a it's a Thai food dish. It means the name means crisp noodles. He was the Baba Ram of crisp noodles. It's so bizarre. This movie. All I can think about is that South Park episode. Yeah, Meekrop. right. Meekrop. Yeah, Meekrop. Um, yeah, what the fuck? That's why it stood out to me. I was watching the movie and they said the Baba Ram of Meekrop, and I went, "Wait a minute, I've heard that before, and I'm pretty sure it was in South Park, yeah. Park and I'm pretty sure it's food, and it was. I oh, gotta man. say." That this movie is so alternatively progressive and racist in the weird ways at the same time. It was written by a name, man named Neil Israel. I do believe he is not Asian. I'm just assuming. Just a shot in the just dark. a shot in the dark. <laughs> Neil Israel is not a- Asian, but um, because like for instance, like the school he goes to, all Asian students. The the cast for the most part is not a bunch of white people. Like. I don't know if Ernie Reyes is Asian. I mean, Reyes, I believe he, he he could be not Asian. He could be Latino. But, hey, at least it's not a bunch of white people in the movie. That's great. But at the same time, the Babaram of Meekrob. Like, there's all this stuff like that that's, like, weirdly un- insensitive towards Asian cultures. And it takes place on a beach with surfing. Yeah. And, I mean, it's all about surfing. I, so it's kind of like this weird like like moment in time like 1993 it's meeting like the surf skate snowboard culture things like meets, that are starting to hit a yeah peak. 
meets video game culture meets like kung fu asian martial arts culture which are all big at the time so like in our quote that we read earlier like it's kind of trying to grab all of these genres and mix them together into like a stew and there are some movies from this era that did that same thing and were successful with it so like it could have been I mean, there's actually when you when we when we want to get into that, like there's a whole bunch of movies that are just like this movie that did that, like the Karate Kid or Three Ninjas, yeah, like yeah. that that kind of like so mix the all of that. Formula exists and has worked. Yeah, like somebody this was like, "What are what are the things that all little kids like right now, especially little boys?" I think this movie is definitely oh no kidding aimed at boys. Yeah, <laughs> it's like video games, kung fu fighting. And surfing and skateboarding and like X Games, you yeah, know exactly. <laughs> and so uh, then this movie was born. Yeah, um, this was the group pick. Yes. Ugh. So fuck you guys. Yeah, come on, man. This movie was really bad. Really Let's just you know, good. yeah, we've already mentioned it. I think before tonight. Um, this movie is bad. Yeah. It it's. I hate in, to be the guy that's shitting on the movie yeah. that we're talking about, but this movie I'm is not good. I'm not gonna go so far as to call it bad bad but it's not bad good either it's yeah. in the middle it's yeah. just bad it's definitely not bad good no it has its moments but not enough of them to be bad good and it's but it's not so terrible that i'm like like i could see myself watching this again to make fun of it yeah like you mentioned i think you mentioned it off air or it might have been right when we started but the times that you're laughing at this movie if you were sitting down with the director and he wanted your honest opinion on the movie and you started laughing when you're going to laugh, he would not be happy. Yeah, he'd be like, "Oh, that wasn't a joke." Yeah, yeah. that there's yeah. nothing like a lot of the laughable parts aren't actually comedy. Runs. True, true, exactly. Uh, I do think it is a weird sort of like snapshot of an era, and I do think that uh, there is some worth to the movie, like as a kids movie. Again, we talked about this in the in the the uh, la- the last episode we did about how kids movies are kind of on a different level. It's, you yeah, know, it's you tough rate to them differently. Look at yeah, them so seriously. But as a, I mean, we we asked for kung fu movies, Western martial arts movies, and this really fails in the martial arts department. What it succeeds at are in other departments. Yeah, and for sure. you know what I mean. Um, like I would say, for the time, Rob Schneider works. It's the kind of movie that feels like an episode of SpongeBob where you're trying to grab kids and their parents at the same time. I'm very, very surprised that it wasn't a straight-to-TV movie. I'm surprised it wasn't PG-13. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, there were some questionable lines. It was on the edge. Like My mom wouldn't have let me see this in 1993. Yeah, there was that one scene where uh, his presumed future wife woos these soldiers away from a blockade. And right, like right, right. Into Ooh, the, like bushes yeah. or whatever. And he's like, "What did you say?" She's like, "Oh, I'll tell you on our wedding night." Yeah. It's like, "Whoa!" And but then that's oh, wait, I gotta. I also gotta mention. And then later, she's like, "I don't want to get married, but we can still date." Yeah. There's a list like we the the back and forth of like whether or not this movie is about being traditional or being progressive, and and it lasts all the way to the end where they're like, "We just abolished the monarchy," and everybody's like, "Yay!" Even though we literally wanted the monarchy yeah, back, like we literally dragged you yeah, to this place to the, make us. The way thing. I would the if I was gonna give this movie one word description, I would say confused. Yeah. The movie is confused about what it wants to be totally and what it's agree. trying to say. And that is something that really, really weighs it down. So as far as music, what uh, 
We only had one thing for music. Um, before I get into that thing, I want to give my quick take on the music. Okay, yeah. Is yeah. that it sounds like in between scenes in a sitcom on Disney Channel. Yeah. Like all the music around the whole time, it sounds like it's borderline like one, like. Eight to sixteen measure rock and roll band yes. just ripping, yes. just looped. We're like, like, where, like, uh, oh my god, Tim and Eric do this so well when they're making fun of like shows like that and stuff, where it's like you have that like uh, sitcom musical interlude to the next scene where it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, yeah, all the music, all the music feels like, like, like slightly longer versions of those, like maybe like 30 seconds. Yeah. Except for, it even gets worse though. I, before you get to that, I even gets worse than that because there's whole scenes, there's whole, there's whole points in the movie where the music is non-existent. And there's one point where, again, I watch a lot of these movies with, with Olivia, my girlfriend, and there was this one point where we were watching, like, it's the scene where they're, they're like, looking at where the bad guys are from up in the mountains. Oh, and it's dead silent. Dead silent. It's so awkward. And you're like, did they, like, accidentally fuck something up? Yeah. Uh, you know? We, you and, sent me a text about that, and you were like, it's a, this is a borderline psycho move. Yeah. To have yeah. no anything exactly. not even like any uh, ambient sound no, music nothing nothing just dead silence and it's actually i gotta kind of rewind back to the last movie once upon a time in china there was a moment in the version i watched of months upon a time in china where that happened and it was this the scene where the he's talking to the priest and he's like oh gee will jesus stand for me or something right before that when the priest delivered that line total silence that's like, so weird. like it, like the 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 line that they had meant to put in there, like didn't get put in. The next line he had, he spoke, and it, and, and I again, I want to jump back to that because it was one of the problems I had with that film, where the in, in again, it was just the words and I watched, so I don't know if it's the same one you watched, but it would be like the white people would sometimes be speaking English and other times have a really bad dubbed Chinese voice. I had kind of had that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and this movie is even worse than that. So like it's we talked so about bad, bad editing last. The the editing in this movie and especially the musical editing is really bad. But they did have to credit one song. One song only. One song. Um they had to give credit to the Beach Boys, Mike Love, who yes. sucks. Fuck which we'll get into in Mike a minute. Love. Fuck oh, that yeah. guy. Uh for his cover of Barbara Ann. Yes. Like we talked about he sang it for that guy. Yes. Me Written Rob. Written by Fred Fassard, not even written by Mike Love. Yeah, what the fuck? So but performed. Kevin, you got a lot to say All about right. Mike Love. I do. Mike Love. Okay, so like I don't know if you listeners know anything about the Beach Boys, but the Beach Boys were a family band. They're cousins. Uh, you had two brothers, Brian and Carl Wilson, or actually, I'm sorry, uh, three brothers, Brian, Carl, and Dennis Wilson, and then Mike Love, who was their cousin. Now, Mike is one of the singers. He's, uh, like many of the members of the Beach Boys, a multi-instrumentalist. And he is, according to someone, I can't remember who had this quote, um, he is the biggest asshole. One of uh, Eric Hedregard, a music journalist, said he is one of the biggest assholes in the history of rock and roll. And there's a lot of evidence for this. Not only as he sued his fellow bandmates, including his mentally ill... Uh, cousin brian wilson several times for even thinking about using the fact they were in the beach boys to sell themselves at all um he basically stole 
the Beach Boys musical catalog and name in what has been referred to as the greatest fraud in music history. Um, and he just kind of seems like an asshole. Uh, again, if you know anything about the Beach Boys, you probably un, uh, realize that Pet Sounds, their 1967 album, is like one of the most famous albums of all time and their crowning achievement. A million percent. Mike Love motherfucking hated Pet Sounds and according to people was against it the whole time. He's also the who is basically the reason why uh, the follow-up album by the Beach Boys, Smile, which got released in like 2000 and something by Brian Wilson, yeah. never got made. According to Al Jardine and Carl Wilson before he died, um, they said that Mike Love put the stop to that album. And it just, the story goes on and on. He's a huge piece of shit. He's known for, for not wanting to change from their surfer, surfing USA style thing by saying, don't fuck with the formula. In his defense, because again, this is all from stuff I've heard, this is all secondhand. There are some people who have said he's been misinterpreted. There are some people who defend him and say that, like, he was in the right. I disagree with them. From what I've read, he seems like one of the biggest assholes in yeah. general. Yeah, I mean, ever. even if you don't know anything about the crazy backstory of all the lawsuits and right. all the problems, even him being so vocally against Pet Sounds, so much yeah. to stop the follow-up to Pet Sounds. If you listen to Pet Sounds and you think it's that amazing. one of the band members is like, nah, this isn't doing it. Fuck this guy. Yep. It's because he is doing it. Right. And it's mainly just because he didn't, he wanted to be the guy. Yeah. And he, he, and he was losing his power. Right. And it's very similar to uh, uh, Tom Schultz from the band Boston. Yep. He had the savvy and uh, the bloodthirstiness to make himself the most important guy to make sure he had all the credit. And then he just fucks over everybody else who was in the band continually. Yep. When it's like you could just stop suing everybody. Right. Another little last dig at him is that also he reformed the Beach Boys with John fucking Stamos. So fuck you, Real. Mike Love. If you've never seen the movie uh, Love and Mercy, definitely watch that. Yeah, yeah. That covers yes. pretty much this era of the Beach Boys. Yep. And without, if you're if you're someone who doesn't know anything about this story, you can watch that movie. It's a exactly. great movie in general, and also very informative yep. for what was happening yep. at that time. And uh, so yes, I'm gonna add him to the. Uh, my movie's better. Wall of Shame. He joins James Woods as being the second person. Oh, uh, God. Why is only the second person? Only the second here? person we've put up here. As wow. Just, Welcome to the club, yep, idiot. Yep. So now you, Mike Love, and James Woods are completely blacklisted. We shall never speak of you again, Mike. Goodbye. Back to our movie. The score of this movie is forgettable, as we were saying. It's unmemorable 90s music. However... I will say that the opening song sounds like it's sung by Lenny Lemmy from uh I wrote Lenny there. <laughs> Le- <laughs> it sounds like it's sung by Lemmy from Motorhead, Lemmy Kilmeister's nephew or something. He's like rah, rah. he's just like really <laughs> gritty voice. And it's disgusting. It's very strange. Um and that's about the best I could say about the music. Yeah, like we said before, yeah. it's just fucking loops. Yep. It's yeah, weird. it's like lots of loops. It's lots of weird ass music, and it's just lots of like, it's also like that like '90s. Actually, I talked about this on our last episode. That sorry, Dylan, you weren't here, but our, our last episode recovered Space Mutiny. Um, it's like this music that it's like late '80s hip hop beats. 
that were like really sparse and that were basically just like just like a Casio <laughs> keyboard beat with like yeah. nothing else, you know? Like before hip hop like started to really get into like sampling records and stuff like that, yeah, when yeah. it was literally just like keyboard beats. Um, that's that's what a lot of this sounds like. It really where it's does. just like someone made like a, a, a five second loop and they just keep looping it forever. That's not good. And in the kung fu category, the soundtrack doesn't do shit for no, this movie no. at all. Borderline the Power Rangers. Soundtrack. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Power Rangers, that brings us to the game corner. It's showtime. The Sega Genesis has blast processing. Super Nintendo doesn't. Genesis does. So what's blast processing do? 16-bit arcade graphics. I expect total perfection. So the team is all there. Sir! Sir! If you want to make me happy, you can make sure our latest plan succeeds. So, as we have mentioned a couple times, the portable video game system Adam plays throughout this movie is the Sega Game Gear. Wow, what a shock. Yes, which is a handheld version of the Sega Master System. It was Sega's answer to the Nintendo Game Boy, which came out one year earlier and was much better in my Way opinion. better. Yes. Way more convenient to hold. If you watch this yeah. movie and this kid's sitting there holding a yeah. computer. The Sega Game... The, which Okay, the Sega Game Gear, if you, if for those of you who do not know, is the size of a... Basically, it's the size of a Nintendo Switch, but fatter. Like Kinda I mean, it's like a Wii U. Yeah, a Wii U. That was the next thing I was exactly yeah. going to say. Yeah, it's like a Wii U size of thickness, but yeah, it's about the same size. It was big, very big for the time. And to for that to be the answer to a Game Boy. Mm-hmm. But you insane. also have to remember, Sega Game Gear had color, and true, and it true. being essentially, like I said, it was a handheld version of the Master System. So it didn't look quite as good as it would as the Master System or the the Genesis would look in your TV, but it was supposed to be emulating essentially what that those systems could do. Yeah, it was a really great system. It didn't have enough good uh, games for it, but in the the main drawback was that it needed like eight fucking batteries, and it drained those batteries in like a day. So fucking. Oh fast. my god, so fast. That's crazy. So. Surf Ninjas, the movie, was filmed during the summer of 1992 and filmed in Thailand and Hawaii. The second half of the film was shot first, and then the crew came back to Los Angeles and shot the first half. Um, And in that time, Sega and uh, New Line Cinema established a financial relationship, and the Sega Game Gear video game was developed at the same time, but before the movie was finished. The game designers began developing the video game Surf Ninjas when the film was only in the scripting phase. So they had some creative input from the director, but they didn't like have a film to watch to base right. it on. Um, and then also, in turn, Sega per, uh, partially financed the film. Dan Gordon, who is a screenwriter, said that he wrote action sequences that would both suit the film and serve as a springboard for the video game. That's so, so bizarre. Yeah, this is basically like... The game and the film go hand in hand. Right, like written together. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the film, that character is seen playing the game, but it is not exactly the same game. It is very similar looking uh, graphically, but it is it, it nothing that happens in the movie happens in the game, basically. Right. And the, the game came out first and is considered the very first movie-based video game to precede the film itself. 
which is a very uh, niche yeah. <laughs> category. Yeah, really, really. That's Let's, quite an uh, honor. Make a video game podcast and only talk about games that are based <laughs> on movies that came out before the movies. There's probably like five. It'll be two episodes. And they're all terrible. <laughs> uh, there were all. There was also a video game released for the Amiga um, computer and the CD32 console in 1994. I've played both of those on emulator and they both suck a whole lot. Jesus. They're basically, they're basically ports. They're, they're not exactly the same, but they're very similar. And you play as like this buff looking guy who's not in the film. He doesn't resemble anybody in the film. Oh my and God. it's just like a streets of rage beat him up. But like the game gear game, you're on like one plane moving back and forth. You can't move like, you know, Ninja Turtles, Turtles in time style up and down. Right, right, right. You can only move back and forth. Okay. And whack. Like in all of these games, the I played all of these. I played all. <laughs> I played all of these on emulator, and that was the one thing I found in common with all of them. Your character moves so fucking slowly, but that's not all, cause we're still in the game corner. That's not the only Deep video games. The game yeah, right there's not the only video games we have to talk about tonight. Have you ever heard of the game Kung Fu Master or Kung Fu for the Nintendo Entertainment System? Have not. Well, it's a pretty famous Nintendo game. It was one of the first, like, big Nintendo NES games. It is a uh, game that is based on a movie called Spartan X, a.k.a. Wheels on Meals. Unbelievable. And it features the main character, Thomas, going to save his girlfriend, uh, who has the same name as, as the woman in... Wheels on Meals. It has basically nothing else to do with the Just movie. The character. Yeah, but it was based <laughs> on it. And in Japan, it was the game itself was also called Spartan X. Um, it has no bearing on the plot, though, other than that uh, naming thing. And in the game, you control Thomas, the Kung Fu master, as he fights his way through five levels of the Devil's Temple in order to rescue his girlfriend, Sylvia. But there's another thing about this. The game was also originally based on Bruce, Bruce Lee's 1972 movie Game of Death, which is why it has the five-level Devil's Temple in it. Oh uh, yeah, so pretty interesting. It's a tie-in based on two kung fu um, movies. And even deeper than that, it was then the basis of a 1988 French romantic drama. That was retitled in France as Le Petit Amour, a.k.a. The Little Love. But in America, it was called Kung Fu Master. And it's because one of the characters plays the game as, like, a big thing that has to do with the plot of the movie. What yeah. the <laughs> Yeah. And guess what? That's not all. Oh, my Because God. in 2004, they released for the PlayStation 2, Jet Li, Rise to Honor. Which, yes, is a game featuring the likeness, voice acting, and motion capture work of Jet Li. Wow, we've covered yeah. so we've basically yeah. covered this whole podcast yes. based on this game corner. Yes, this whole game corner Pretty has much everybody hit involved. In everybody. Everything. Wow. Yep. Um. And so yeah, that is a. It's kind of like a a movie that you play beat 'em ups for. I don't know if you've ever heard of the the game series Yakuza. Yep. It's like a Yakuza game. It's okay. like you kind of walk around in areas and then you have like areas where you fight a bunch of guys or one boss. And then there's like a bunch of really story driven cutscenes that feel like a movie. Right, so right, it's like right. the, you know, a lot of the premonition of that. It also had slow motion bullet time, similar to Max Payne. That was pretty cool. I played it a long time ago and I don't really remember it, but I remember liking it. And so that, yeah, hey, we'll take that. Yeah. 
that brings us to the end of Game Corner and therefore the end of Surf Ninjas, which Thank I'm just going to say it right now. I give a big thumbs half. I'd I give it like a 1.5. I'd say like this. I'd give it a thumbs down in the sense that I don't necessarily recommend it, but I also I don't hate it so much that I think it's like the worst thing ever. No, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but I'd say... If- like if you have the desire to watch it, yeah, I wouldn't disregard. If you it. like grew up in this era, you should definitely watch it. Yeah, or if you like rewatching old weird, like, yeah, Disney Channel if you movies like, or if you like stupid movies, yeah. you'll like it because this movie is stupid as fuck. Like I mentioned earlier, it literally ends with them. This is a movie where a guy goes through all this shit because he's the monarch of an area of a country, whatever, and becomes the monarch and saves the day and goes back to the fucking country and then abolishes the monarchy. That's how fucking dumb this movie is. Like it just, it just keeps like kicking itself in its own balls. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but I also, I don't hate it as much as avatar. And if you know me, I hate avatar. I really hate (laughs) James Cameron's avatar a lot. So, like, it's not on that level, but it's definitely not my favorite film. No, you guys didn't do that great this no, week. No, <laughs> no, you guys lost. <laughs> Big time Spoiler lost. alert, you guys lost. That's, a, uh, that's actually where we're at right now. Yeah, huh? so we're going to take one more final quick break, and then we'll move on to the verdict. Not meals on wheels. More? No? No, I mustn't get drunk. Have you seen Fatso? No, I've just got here. What do you want him for? Oh, let me tell you. I got some news for you. <laughs> I'm now the acting chief of the detective agency. Don't breathe a word of it to anybody. No, I wouldn't say anything. What kind of guy do you take me for? (laughs) I can't get drunk today. See you later. Hello, Moby. It's been a long time. Have a drink. Here. Uh, Just one. Fine, just one. Cheers. <laughs> Have you seen Fatso? No. What do you want him for? Can I trust you guys? Uh, we've known each other for years. As far as I'm concerned, I don't want to know your secrets. Keep them to yourself. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you. But you got to promise not to tell anyone. I am, as of now, the acting chief of Matthew's private detective agency, and I have full authority. I want to talk to Fatso about something real. Well, that calls for a drink, right? Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>, cheers. <laughs> hey, hey, Moby's been promoted. <laughs> I really can't get drunk. Gotta go. Gotta find Fatso. All right, so now it is time. We have time. arrived at the verdict. The verdict. For this week. So we'll start with a quick run through just of our kind of final thoughts about each film. I'd say Wheels on Meals, it's a kind of a precursor to Chan's comedy films, like I said, and it it's sort of the film that would start to rocket him to start him. And it's not maybe the best aged work comedy-wise, but it just contains some of the best fights ever. And it is so colorful, it's almost slice of life. The stakes never feel too high, but the action is always cranked up. I give it 5 out of 5. I think it's untouchable. My favorite scene is is Jackie versus the Jet. Uh, my favorite line is when is the scene where the the uh, guy at the asylum is like, "I'm not here because I'm stupid. I'm here because I'm emotionally unable to accept the world or whatever." Amazing, but the best actor by far, Sammo Hung. 
Sammo Hung milks this movie. He is so good at comedy, and it, the comedy that works is mainly his. As we mentioned earlier, the whole scene with him being like, I can't get drunk tonight and keep drinking yeah, more wine. Yeah, just keep going and going. So good. Going. So good. How about you? Uh, as far as Meals on Wheels, or are we going on? Do yeah, it? no, Meals on Wheels, yeah. Okay, uh, that movie was awesome, man. I gave it a four out of five. Uh, pretty much for everything you said, I, I thought that it was a perfect balance between like there's a lot of great fight choreography in there there's a lot of great accessible comedy in there it didn't age that well but it's enough where you can watch it in either sort of setting if you want something that's like right. lighthearted and quirky it right. works if you want to watch something that's has that kung fu element it totally works totally. um i'll throw it out there now that that's my pick yeah me too that's my pick yeah me too that's the one me too. um yeah. but continuing on we got once upon a time in china yeah uh, okay, so what? Once Upon a Time in China, sweeping, epic film. It inspired generations of kung fu movies, uh, arguably better kung fu movies, but still, like, like if, if I was going to sit down and watch a movie like this, I would watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. But this movie, it, it like, two of my favorite movies that, are, that, that I feel like are really influenced by this are Raise the Red Lantern and Journey to the West, which are both Chinese films. They feel really big. They feel really epic. But they never forget like the comedy aspect. They never forget the romance aspect. That's I think the best thing about this film. That Once Upon a Time in China is a film for everyone, right. and that's another thing that makes it feel like old school westerns. Um, it's just filled to the brim with everything it can fit in: Meiji era politics, kung fu, romance, comedy, gigantic fight scenes. It may be horribly edited, but it's still entertaining and endearing to this day. Totally so agree. I say like four out of five. I love Jet Li stopping everyone from fighting. I love the part in at the end of that scene where the British guy's like, that's right, I speak Chinese. I heard you talking shit about me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love Porky Wing. I For my scene with that one, it's I probably agree where they're yeah. just sitting there. Actually, I it's it's a coin flip between that and the ladder fight. The ladder fight, fight is and, so good. And I also got to sh- give a shout out to the umbrella yeah, scene in the, the bar. Umbrella yeah, the umbrella fight scene too. The, all, like, all the fight scenes are so good, except for the weird, nauseating editing and slow-mos. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, they're all so enjoyable. Um, My favorite line was when they're sitting there having their last dinner yep. as the militia right before they're going to have this huge war. And then they're really hesitant to eat. And then Jet Li just, like, starts to force them to eat. Yes, And he's just yes. like, eat rice, chew, <laughs> yeah, chew. swallow. <laughs> eat rice, chew, swallow. So good. <laughs> right, so good. hell yeah. Another little shout-out that I got to say is the the little scene where it's, like, uh, they're, they're, the, guy got sh- the, the Chinese guy got shot. And uh, they introduced that, like, um, Bucktooth So can't speak Chinese very well. He like stutters through a lot of Chinese yeah, yeah, yeah. and he had lived in America and Porky Wings giving him shit about that. And then like the very next scene they go to this, you know, British restaurant scene and uh they're like, so you talk to the guy, tell him what's going on. And he just starts speaking like perfect English. English. Yeah. Yeah. And they he says that the what's his name? Uh Porky Wings like why is your English so fluent? And then the scene cuts and it goes to the yep, next scene. Exactly. Doesn't address it's it. So good. It's, it's so, so good. good, man. Um, so yeah, I'd say about four out of five. It's almost there, but again, as we've already revealed, not quite as good as meals on as wheels on meals, meals on wheels. Yeah. I guess it's technically both. But anyway, Surf Ninjas was a disjointed and strange film. It dips his fingers into many different places, but it excels in none, and that is the difference between it and Once Upon a Time in China. They both do that, but Once Upon a China, it 
once upon a time in China excels in the kung fu and the comedy, so it makes up for anything it doesn't. Right. This film doesn't have that. Like, I get it, the nostalgia is strong with this one, okay? But other than that, it's a poorly made film, sloppily edited, lots of strange choices. I would like to give it a two out of five. However, that's like on the bad movie scale. Or, or however, on the bad movie scale, it's really hard to overlook the amazing unintended comedy that the film has and in kind of what it's become. Rob Schneider in general, just his weird quips sort of works and sort of doesn't. Like it it sort of made me laugh for the wrong reasons. And it feels like he's like Polly Shore, but not on cocaine. You know? <laughs> it's like definitely not yeah, on cocaine. Yeah, That's definitely. Clear. Um it's entertaining for all it's bumbling, but it doesn't really make enough use of what it has. No, and there's the nostalgic bit that bites back to it, but that can only go so far. Yeah. And like you said, you laugh at the wrong things. Mm-hmm. They're not what is intended to be comedy. Yeah. And there's, it's such a conflict of there's even on the bad movie scale, there's things that weigh it down. Mm-hmm. And on the good movie scale, yeah. there's a lot of things that weigh it down. It's tough to find a median on this one. Totally, totally. I'd say probably like final, I give it two, three out of five at best. I did love the I love the moto surf thing. That's probably what everybody remembers the most. I also love the phone gags with Leslie Nielsen not answering the phone in time and and all that stuff. That was pretty great. And I love Tone Loke. Yeah. Uh, We didn't talk much about him, but uh, Tone Loke, the rapper, is in this movie, and he's like a hood cop. And he has another one of my favorite lines where he's like, if I go surfing, nobody in the hood's going to talk to me anymore or something. <laughs> Olivia like pointed out, I was like, yeah, I, what is it? What does he say? Is he saying, I guess because it's like, because like black people don't swim or something. I guess it that's makes, what that like, joke several was. several references to that. And I feel like that, yeah. that proceeds back to our earlier conversation about like the really weird kind of yeah. racist. Yeah, the movie's like movie. racist and not racist at the same time. Like it, it totally is. It feels like it's trying so hard to be progressive that it becomes racist. Yeah, exactly. You know, like like making your like your token black character talk about not surfing. It's yeah, like, yeah. Okay, like why do you got it? But yeah, that? so I just I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like it. Um, I know there's like I know a ton of people are like really into it, and I get it. I think that my big reason for that is that I never watched it when I was a kid. So, I had no nostalgic yeah, connection to yeah. it, so I'm not hurt by saying. Because like that I, I could see someone, terrible. I could see someone watching, for instance, Turtles in Time. You know, Ninja Turtles three. Um, I know a lot of people who hate that movie. I love that movie. It's a piece of shit, yeah. but I have a nostalgic connection. So like, yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong if you do like this movie, but objectively, it's not a good movie. Nope. So if you do like it, like. That's great. I understand that feeling towards movies. Like, I love Space Jam, but I also know that it's objectively a bad movie, you know? So uh, with that, I would say unequivocally this week, I win. Yeah, (laughs) Wheels on Meals is fantastic. Again, if you have not seen it, it's on Amazon Prime, free with subscription. You should check it out. Um, If you can get a copy of the Chinese version with subtitles, I suggest it. I haven't seen it in years, but that was the first version I saw of it on probably DVD years ago. Right. That's the best version, I think, to watch. I'm dying to see one of those. Though, if you like hilarious dubs, then you'll love the hilarious dub of this movie. Yeah. You should definitely watch both. Yes. Because I am no doubt going to try and find one with subtitles. 
because I another another thing uh, just to to wrap up another thing I love that we didn't mention at all about Wheels on Meals is the Italian guy neighbor storyline the guy who's oh my God. the the lecherous Italian guy who lives across the hallway from them who's constantly cheating on his wife and all the shenanigans and somehow yeah. they both get caught in the exactly mix of their exactly problems. um there's a lot of stuff like that in the movie there's that whole scene where they're like both trying to seduce. Lola Forner, and then they and then they go, no thanks, and walk. <laughs> so good, it's so funny. If you haven't seen it, once again, go watch it right now. You, do. you have to watch it. Yes. It won. It's the winner. It won. You need to watch it. So that means we have to talk about what we're gonna watch next time. Mm. And since it is the month of May, we are going to be watching anime movies. Ha Get ha it? ha! Very Get funny. It? Anime. Get yes. It? Um. My, uh, my my former co-host, Russ, came up with this idea, and I'm honoring it because I love this idea. We're just going to be covering anime movies, any anime movies. Uh, so my pick for our next episode is going to be the classic Satoshi Kon movie, Perfect Blue. Dylan? I'm really stretching the line right here. I'm, you are, I'm but it's okay. We're, it, kind of we really are we, allowing... We worked it out. We yes, we're allowing out. what they call in Japan OVAs. <laughs> Which are shorter anime. They're kind of like episodic anime okay, perfect. films. So well, that works out perfectly because my choice is the Neo Yokio Christmas yes. special. Awesome. Pink Christmas. Nice. So yeah, uh, on the group, if you want to go on to facebook.com slash mymoviesbetter, you can find our page and our group page. Join the group and vote on the movies. And uh, you, you pick can, what we yeah, watch. Yeah, you can pick. And it's anything. You know, you could pick Grave of the Fireflies. You could pick Akira. You could pick any of those movies pick and put them up. Pokemon movie. Yeah. And Not and to, try to see if you can. Twist any arms or anything. <laughs> right. And you can try to see if any movie is going to throne my favorite anime movie of all time, Perfect Blue. I think you have quite a, it's uh, a, t- it's a quite daunting a mountain task. to climb. Yeah. I've gone. Task. I'm going back to back with two of my favorite movies. Of I know, all time. which is hard, man. I was coming <laughs> off a victory with Scooby Doo, right? which is a totally unprecedented <laughs> victory. Didn't right? deserve right? it at all going right? in on paper. I was shook. Nice, but so yeah, I'm shook. This next two weeks is. It's gonna it's a be a big sick. mountain. You it's guys got to pick sick. something good, yeah. not Surf Ninjas. Not Surf Ninjas. No, that was a horrible no, choice. No, but I mean, they have the luxury. Of being in the lead in general of all the of, of the whole podcast, the listeners have the have the lead. Is there a, do we have a chart of? I don't have a chart, but I do okay. have a general idea yeah, yeah, yeah. in my head. I could I could run through it and, well, and come yeah, up we'll with a, a, quick, little a quick little spreadsheet <laughs> yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, but everybody so, likes points and numbers. Exactly. You know? So thank you again for listening. Please like, share, subscribe. Join us on Facebook, as I said, Instagram, Twitter. Honestly, I'm on Pinterest. I'm everywhere with this stuff. I'm on stuff. LinkedIn. Ello, any type of social media, I will be there. Please help us share this. If you like this show, leave a review. That would be really helpful. Um, even if you don't. Like even if you show, don't, yeah. Leave, honestly, leave give us some criticism. We'd like to hear it. I, I'd like to hear constructive criticism. Even if you love the show and want to give us five stars, but you say, hey, I don't like how you do X, let us know. Yeah. And we'll and we'll work to change it because this is for the listeners. Um, even though you guys lost this week. Yeah, Wu Tang so. is for the people. <laughs> Wu Tang is for the people. So uh, with that, we will say good night, good Bye. luck, and go fuck yourself. We love you. Thank you for listening to my movie spare.